Then in verse 18, and the second one came and said, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. Another one came and said, behold, here's your pound, which I've kept laid up in the napkin. Did you notice the language here? He said, uh, there is your pound. He never took ownership of what the Lord gave him. I've kept it laid up in a napkin. For I feared you because you're an austere man. You've taken up, you laid not down, you've reaped where you didn't sow, which is not possible because you have to sow to reap. And he saith unto him, Out of your own mouth will I judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man. You thought I was an austere man. Then you should have taken up what I laid not down, the reaping that I did not, excuse me, I was an austere man taking up what I laid not down and reaping what I did not sow. Wherefore, uh, then gave us not thou money into the bank. My money. He called it his money. So he said, you should, if, you, if you really thought it was my money and you didn't take ownership of it, you should have put it in the bank that I have, might have required my own with user. In other words, you should have made interest, paid interest. That's a good steward. I mean, a good servant. Yeah. Yeah. Hello? Okay, now let's go over to Matthew 25, verse 14, and it's basically going to give you uh, the same information. But I want to call your attention to verse 15. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. So he gives us according to our ability. Some of us have five-talent ability, some have two-talent ability, and some have one-talent ability. That's not to minimize or make God out of respect or persons, but it's to let you know God knows what you can do. And He gives you something to do. He knows you can do it. Now, let's go over to uh, Acts, the fourth chapter. Acts, the fourth chapter. And let's look at verse 32. Acts chapter 4. Are you all getting anything out of this at all? Acts 4, verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that any of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Now, out of that, those that say we don't own anything, they like to read this scripture. I don't own anything. I don't, I don't have anything. It's not mine. It's all God's. And I don't have anything. And they use this scripture. Neither said any of them that any of the things which he possessed, but notice, they owned some things. But they had all things common. This is not communal living. This is not uh, communism, socialism. This is not taking from the rich and giving to the poor. This is an attitude. And Timothy says those that are rich in this world be willing to share, be willing to give. And that's all they were saying. They were saying, you know, God's blessed us and I'm willing to share with you. If you need this, I'll give you this or whatever. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all because of their attitude. Neither 
Was there any among them that lacked? Now listen very carefully to the language. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made every man according as he had need. Now you can't sell land and houses that you don't own. That's fraud. So they had to own something. It says they own. They own the houses. They own the lands. And they sold them. And they gave a distribution out of what they sold to help those that were in need. Hello, are you here? Amen. I was telling Pastor uh, Jeannie and I pastored for one church 35 years and the church before that two years. So a total of 37 years. And we had a, a man come see me one day. He came on a Saturday morning, knocked on my carport door. And he said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, uh, what about? He said, well, you know, in Mark 10, 29, 30, it says whatever you give uh, uh, to the Lord, you get a hundredfold return. I said, yeah. He says, it says houses, lands, or wives. He said, I'd like to give my wife for the gospel. <laughs> and what, what was going on was that he was having eyes for a woman in the congregation. He wanted to get rid of his wife so he could marry this woman. And I said, now, Jeannie and I both were sitting there, and we just kind of looked at him like, are you crazy? I said, you can't give your wife for the gospel's sake. You don't own her. You didn't buy her. You're in a covenant relationship. You can't, you can't give her for the gospel's sake. And I wish I'd have thought. I didn't think quick enough. I, I wish I'd have Said, oh, have you read the rest of the verse? You'll get a hundredfold return. You want you want a hundred more just like her? (laughs) But we sometimes contour and fit the narrative in the scriptures to fit our own desire. Job did that. God said, You've condemned me so you could be justified. We want to justify ourselves. We want to make the scriptures fit what we want and what we need. So here's, it goes on. It goes down to Acts chapter 5 and verse 4. And uh, well, you know what happened. Verse 1, a certain man named Ananias, Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. They kept back part of the prize. His wife being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? and to keep back part of the price of the land. Now listen to this. While it remained, was it not your own? He was an owner. He owned the land. He said, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own power? You owned the land, you sold it, you owned the money. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, gave up the ghost, and great fear came on them that heard these things. Young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. I bet that got everybody's attention. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Peter answered unto her, Tell me, uh, whether you sold the land for so much? And she said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, 
How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which you buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out too. And she fell down and died. They blasphemed. They lied to the Holy Ghost. And you know he made it very clear. You own the land. You sold the land. It was your land. You can do what you want to with the money. I'll never forget when I first got saved, Jeannie and I went to a revival at a Pentecostal church. And I had just gotten my tax return money. And I had cashed a check and I had all this money in my pocket. I mean, I was all this money. Back in those days, it might have been two, dollars $300. And I said, I got all this money in my pocket. And I made the mistake of going to this revival. <laughs> and the revivalist, I mean to tell you, he could preach heaven high and hell hot. And he said, now I want you to come down here and you give this offering. And he said, and that includes everything you've got in your pocket. Oh, I said, oh, what do I do? And the Lord said, well, it's yours. You can do with it what you want. Hello. Amen. Well, I went down and gave it all. I said, well, I might, have, I might as well err on the side of, <laughs> of uh, <clears throat> doing good according to the scriptures. I've never regretted that. Well, I did it at the time. But I knew I was giving it to God. It was mine. I could have done with it what That's I wanted. Right. That's right. Amen. Back in those days, they some people let so-called prophets prophesy their money out of their pockets into their pockets and other pockets. Okay. I'm going to stop here for today. I would love to go to Luke 15. This is the big contrast uh, to show you the difference between owners and stewards and sons and servants. Let me give you a little preview. We got a few minutes. Anybody got to go home? Luke 15. (laughs) Uh, Luke 15. You know, there's so much in the scriptures that we have used. I'm talking pastors have used to hammer on people. You know, we use that scripture over in Hebrews says, uh, don't forsake this uh, assembling of yourselves together. Well, you know, why aren't you here? Why aren't you here on Sunday nights? Where are you? I didn't see you last week. Where are you? What are you doing? How come you're not here? I, I used it like a lot of pastors. You preach it and, you, you know. So I took a poll one night. Uh, I asked people to fill out a sheet of paper. How many services a week do you attend? You attend Sunday night? No. Why? Why not? Well, it's really none of my business. But they filled it out said, I'm working. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were working in the medical, you know, they had to work shifts and corporations and whatever. And there was this one lady in the church. And, you know, it's hard for pastors. They don't like to be rebuked or argued with or criticized. But there's one lady in the, in the church. She was very honest. And she wrote and told me, she said, Pastor, you won't know why I don't come to church. She said, in the first place, it's none of your business. In the second place, I don't drive at night. So I'm not coming at night. I mean, that's what, that was, that's what she told me. And she let me know every year when the, the, uh, the time changed, when it got dark at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, she said, I just want to let you know 
I won't be coming to church all winter on Sunday night. I'll be coming Sunday morning, but I won't be on Wednesday night or, or Sunday night. <laughs> she rebuked me. I know the Bible says not to rebuke an elder, but she was, uh, I, I wasn't an elder then. I wasn't as old as I am now, but anyway, she, she let me know, don't try to strap that on me. Don't try to, you know, condemn me, make me feel convicted. She said, I'll come when I want to. Okay. And many times the same woman, I would see her sitting back right over here. And while I am preaching away, she is sitting there reading a paperback novel. And that used to really bother me. I'm preaching here, and she's not paying attention. She's just reading, a, you know, a dime novel. And she wasn't even paying attention to what I was saying or to me at all. And we formed a membership class. And she came up to me one day, and the membership class was a bit much. Larry, I don't know if you all remember this. We had a membership class. You had to go eight weeks. Every Sunday night, we started at six, so you had to be there at five. Eight weeks. We finally reduced it down to, Ron, do you remember what it was? Five, six, four weeks, something like that. Four weeks. And we reduced it down because we knew that's just. And she came up to me and she said, Pastor, I won't be going to that membership class. I said, oh, why not? She said, I know as much as you do. I don't need to learn anything. that You You, you, you can't teach me any more than what I always, already know. I thought, okay. She's writing me letters. She ain't coming to church unless she wants to. She's reading a dime novel while I'm preaching. And she told me she's not going to become a, a member by going through that class. She died. And she wanted me to do her funeral. And I did. And she was there. But that verse is really talking about in the end times, at the end of time, don't get caught up in the culture and the world and don't let, you know, things get hold of you. Don't forsake. And a lot of people have, you know, in the church. that The pandemic shut a lot of churches down. And they've not, they've not really uh, started back up again uh, because people have gotten comfortable staying at home, staying, watching on TV or watching online. And so that's, that's what he's saying. You're not, you're not necessarily dealing with your church attendance. Remember when you used to go to church and get a star uh, every time you went to Sunday school or whatever? Uh, we're not talking about that. <laughs> but don't let the devil steal you away. Don't let the devil lie to you and think it's not important because it is important for us to come together with each other. Well, if you read this whole story, this is what we've been called, we've been calling this the prodigal son. In verse 11 it says, a certain man had two sons. And I'll just read this first verse. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Give me my inheritance. He's a son. He's not a servant. Now you know the story. He went out and squandered all of his, uh, all of his inheritance. He was eating slop in the pig pen. Now that, that's not good for a Jewish boy. And he had a thought. He said, why am I out here 
living like this, when my father's servants are eating plenty. So he went back home, repented, and said, Father, I repent. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Just make me a servant. You notice the father's reply? He didn't reply. Because you can't make a servant out of a son. A son is born into the family. Daughters are born into the family. Amen? When my father died, he told me, he said, here's what's going to happen, son. He said, you and your sister are going to get a cash disbursement out of my trust fund. And he said, uh, and then here's the, the will, the trust fund, and he showed it all to me. You're going to be the executor of the state and all that kind of stuff. And after all that transpired, I was sitting there thinking about it one day, and I thought, you know, Lord, this is just absolutely almost too good to be true. He said, what? I said, my daddy was the greatest generation. Went through the Depression, fought World War II, came home, rebuilt America. I said, he worked hard for his money. I, I, I didn't earn any of this. I didn't do anything to deserve any of this. I said, the only thing that qualified me to be an heir was I was born his son. And the Lord smiled and said, yeah, and that's all you did to become my heir is you got born again. You got born into the family, and that qualified you. So you're an owner and a son. That's who you are. But what you do is you serve and you're a steward. So servants and stewards, that's what you do. Sons and owners is who you are. I rest my case. I'll be back next month maybe. Um, and we'll continue with this. There's a whole lot more. I had a guy, I was teaching this on uh, Arkansas Live, and a guy emailed me, and he said, man, he said, I never heard anything like this before. He said, this is deep. I'm going to have to meditate on this. So let's everybody stand. Uh, am I going to dismiss, or you need to say something? Okay. And I'll go sit down. Thank you all for coming. And I know sometimes when you have an hour service, Sometimes it's easy if you live a long way off. You say, well, why bother for an hour? It takes me that long to get there. But hopefully the Holy Ghost will minister to you. Amen.